0: I am seeing patients being denied treatment, being told that there's nothing wrong with them, that if they could just get back to the gym and, you know, just push through it, they'll eventually get better. Could it be that SARS-CoV-2 actually gets untreated and then goes into a second phase of this long-haul COVID of this untreated virus, just like Lyme disease? And once we start to realize that and realize that this denial that this could still be an infection is what is keeping people sick. So if we address long haul by treating with antivirals, treating with nutrients, treating the dysfunctional host, the dysfunctional system, then we have far further reaching capabilities of being able to treat these patients and get them better.
1: This is Impact, the podcast where we explore entrepreneurship, mindset, and health to provide you with the ingredients for an unregrettable version of your life story. Time does not heal all things. Whether we're talking about trauma or we are talking about chronic infections There is an important nuance and caveat to the rule in life that time heals all things. And today we are going to have a conversation about long haul COVID. And this came up as a topic that I wanted to dive into in what has turned into an ongoing series of conversations related to COVID-19 and vaccination and and the current situation we're all moving through, this emerged as a really proximate situation in need as I was having increasing conversations with friends and colleagues and watching on the media as the prevalence of this notion of long-haul COVID became more pervasive and top of mind. I was also increasingly alarmed with the narrative, which was initially this probably isn't, uh, this probably isn't real and you're probably still just a little bit tired and sleep a little bit longer to, oh goodness, this is actually much more pervasive than we realized. I want to put a caveat here as a naturopathic doctor that this idea of post-viral fatigue uh, and i mean that in a catch-all way Uh, debilitating fatigue symptoms that mirror uh, chronic fatigue syndrome chronic digestive issues like chronic health issues on the backside of a viral infection is not something new to those of us who have been in practice uh, for a long period of time what is new is an acknowledgement by the mainstream media And uh, the traditional medical community that perhaps there is something biological uh, going on with these individuals. And I want to be really clear, the nature of this conversation is not anti-Western medicine. It is simply acknowledging that they are now acknowledging that this plethora of, of symptoms, this collection of symptoms is actually in existence. The challenge remains that while that is being acknowledged and it is being shared in the media, the narrative continues to be, but there's nothing we can do about it, and it is seemingly random. It has been my clinical experience that there are predispositions for individuals who are going to have a more long-term manifestation of their illness, concurrent exposure to mold history of past infections, long-standing history of use of antibiotics. These were some of the patterns that I saw in my own practice. Poor health status, despite the fact that people didn't acknowledge that they were in poor health. They thought they thought they were quite healthy, but didn't realize there was actually a whole other standard of health that was available to them. These were all risk factors and patterns that we would see in individuals who manifested uh, these chronic latent uh, viral uh, manifestations over the long term. And they are patterns that my colleagues, I'm not in practice anymore, that my colleagues are speaking to with the chronic uh, COVID patients that they are currently managing. And so as we were speaking more to these observations, and as the media was continuing to speak to the randomness of this occurrence and the complete lack of treatment and hope for these patients, I felt really compelled to have a conversation with a practitioner who I know has been seeing long-haul COVID extensively in her practice. And my guest today is someone who has been on the Anthropology podcast before and now Impact. Her name is Dr. Marie Matheson. Dr. Marie Matheson is a naturopathic doctor who treats complex chronic illness. She attracts patients from around the world. She treats them from a true naturopathic perspective. She has spoken extensively through North America and globally related to Lyme disease and the complex manifestations that result from the the bacterial infection associated with Lyme disease. She's very adept at managing these pieces. And when I asked her a few weeks ago, Marie, have you have you had an opportunity uh, to work with long-haul COVID and what are some of the things that you said? She kind of lit up. She's like, are you kidding me, Megan? I've treated almost 800 long-haul COVID patients. In fact, just before we got on our interview today, uh, she told me that she had treated 30 long-haul COVID patients last week. She is an expert at understanding the risk factors that predispose individuals to the long-haul manifestation. She's also an expert, although we're not allowed to call ourselves experts. I'm calling her that, at actually treating those long-haul symptoms. We wanted to have this conversation today because what we wanted to do is we wanted to provide those patients with hope. We also wanted to mitigate that fear that long-haul COVID is seemingly random, that it could affect or afflict any of us at any given moment. And so what we get into today in this conversation, the reason that I'm setting this up with such intention is I I really want you to understand the intention behind this conversation. We are not speaking to the latest long-haul COVID study. We are speaking to Marie's clinical experience in working with complex chronic disease and in working with individuals who have post-infective manifestations. And we're having this conversation so that you have access to a more nuanced lens through which to hear the media, through which to have conversations with your own physicians or naturopathic doctors or family around the risk profiles of your health. This is a newly acknowledged realm in the traditional medical space. And the more you can arm yourself with intelligent questions and actions you can take in your own life, the better you are going to fare over the long term. And so while I have seen these complex chronic manifestations, there's honestly no one who I can think of who is more in touch and on top of what is happening currently with respect to long haul COVID than Dr. Marie Matheson. And it is my absolute pleasure for you to have an opportunity to hear from her now. Dr. Marie Matheson, welcome back to the Impact Podcast. Thanks, Megan. So nice to be here. Well, we have a lot to talk about. I reached out to you. I'm just, I'm going to say urgently, not urgently in the last sort of few weeks. And I said, I really need to speak to you uh, and and have you on the podcast if you are willing um, to talk about long-haul COVID and infectious disease and our our risks of of side effects, how we mitigate it. Because uh, I, I know a lot of people who are succumbing right now to long haul COVID and feel hopeless in that state. And I also know a lot of people who are deathly paranoid around reintegration in society because of this seemingly random occurrence. Of long haul COVID, so we're going to get into this. We're going to unpack it. We're going to give resources to uh, to individuals, and we're going to have a conversation. So hopefully, uh, we start to shine some light onto uh, truer risk factors and some of the things people can do to mitigate their symptoms, and in many cases, resolve the manifestation. So before we do that, now that I've set that stage, Marie, why did why did I call you? Like why? Who are you in this realm of infectious disease and and complex chronic illness? Give us a little bit of a background story in terms of who you are and why you're so passionate about this.
0: Thanks, Megan. So, you know, I'm so passionate about this because, you know, my day-to-day practices focuses on chronic Lyme disease, mold illness or SIRS, and complex chronic illness. And I look at the infectious causes of complex chronic illness and how that interplays with toxins, and typically catalyzed by a stressful event. Physical stress and emotional stress, loss of job, a divorce, a car accident, it doesn't matter. And once you start to look at patients or look at illness through this realm, really the light bulb goes out, or on, I would say, for most practitioners. And you start to realize, wait a second... If I address a patient in these realms, I can actually get them better. And so when COVID came along, I just used those principles and addressed each and every one of my patients with that in mind and started to notice success in treatment, even though there was no cookbook approach to it, even though we didn't know how to treat it. I used my roots, my rooted roots of naturopathic medicine and treated
1: the individual and not the disease. How many cases of long haul covid have you treated at this point in your practice?
0: At this point I've already treated 800 cases. So that's that's quite a bit.
1: <laughs> I was joking with you before. I was like, "Oh, so you have no experience in, <laughs> in looking at this condition." Just so that we're all on the same page and we're and, and I know the media talks about long haul and we don't even talk about covid anymore. We just say long haul and we all know what we're we're referring to. Can you define what it is when we talk about long-haul COVID? Does everybody who has COVID get this long-haul piece? Like, let's define it so we all know what we're talking about today.
0: Yeah, so long-haul COVID is persistent symptoms, so to speak, long after these quote-unquote infections should have passed. And so these patients persist on with chronic symptoms. The number one chronic symptom would be chronic fatigue. or I should say, more specifically, post exertional fatigue. And the difference there is that a person might exert themselves, let's say, go for a walk to go pick up the mail, or something simple as, you know, do a little bit of gardening for an hour, and that will wipe them out for hours or even days. And in some cases, it can be debilitating, like bedridden wipeout, and they can't even go to work, and they can't even walk or function. Another common symptom is a chronic cough, shortness of breath, memory, concentration problems, joint pains. Uh, a common one is loss of smell, taste, chest pains, tinnitus is an off uh, a common one I see. Sleep problems, headaches, and even digestive issues. Kind of sounds similar to Lyme, doesn't it?
1: Does sound similar <laughs> to to Lyme, and and uh, we'll get into that. Is this a random? Occurrence in your experience now having treated 800 patients? No. And I think that's a
0: really smart and important question for you to ask, Megan, because it is not random. People don't randomly get long haul COVID, or I prefer to call it untreated COVID, meaning that perhaps the virus wasn't effectively or perhaps it was inappropriately treated at the onset of the the acute. SARS-CoV-2 illness, and it progressed to destabilize or dysregulate the immune system because perhaps the host of that, uh, that being, the patient, was already sick. So people go, no, I, I was healthy. I-, I run. I exercise three times a week. I eat organic. I do all these things. But little as we go and we start to dissect their background, their history, we start to realize, oh yeah, no, I've I've had headaches for 30 years. I've had digestive issues. I was diagnosed with IBS. I have really, really painful periods, et cetera, et cetera. And oh by the way, I've had really high lead levels for a long time, so on and so forth. Or we find out, you know, they've been living in mold. So theoretically it's the health of the host that really is the important piece. So if the health of the host is healthy, then the patient that's exposed to the infection should be able to be able to fight that with some assistance, with some supplemental assistance, but it should be fairly okay to be able to overcome and not get into long-haul COVID. But the problem is that our society, that a lot of our patients that we see are actually quite sick prior to getting covid But they don't really realize that. So no, it is not random. They had some sort of dysregulation, immune dysregulation, far before the COVID came into their system.
1: You mentioned an immune dysregulation. So there's a few things I want to pull apart here. It looks like one of the propensities for risk in an active infection is metabolic instability. So poorly managed blood sugars, uh, hypertension, like that profile Is that profile a factor when we're looking at long-haul COVID?
0: Absolutely. Any sort of type of uh, cardiovascular profile, respiratory profile, you know, those are sort of the mitigating factors. Those are the patients where I say, you know, we should preventatively because of your profile start you on such and such a, a protocol to prevent if you do get COVID you will and most of my patients have been doing that since the pandemic and I will tell you one thing I found it quite interesting that my patients who I'm currently actively treating for a complex chronic illness like Lyme disease or mold have actually fared very well with COVID meaning that they got COVID but they overcame it in four or five days with assistance in my treatments but they never ended up getting the long-haul covid so we hear about this i'm immunocompromised i'm immunocompromised i should be worried but there's a difference between yes if you're immunocompromised and you're not following through with naturopathic treatments then i would say yeah you might be at risk because you're really doing nothing but if you are immunocompromised, such as having Lyme disease, mold illness, et cetera, mast cell activation disorder, PANDAS, PANS, but you are undergoing a current naturopathic treatment, then you're actually going to fare well. And the reason being is that the treatments we're using for chronic Lyme, mold illness, et cetera, are actually similar treatments we use for long-haul COVID. So, It protects them. So I always say to my patients, you're taking a lot of the things that I'm already recommending for COVID, quercetin, you know, NAC, glutathione, those things are already, you know, high doses of vitamin D, high doses of vitamin C. These are all beneficial things that will uh, protect you from your current illness as well as long-haul COVID.
1: I want to get into some of the treatment pieces, but I want to belabor the point of, you know, we weren't healthy to start with. I posted something on Instagram probably eight weeks ago, and that was the whole post. It just said, we weren't healthy to start with. And I got a lot of angry messages from people um, suggesting it's not their fault and people don't, you know, we, we can't help it if we've got genetic disorders and we're immunocompromised and we're this. And, and I, I lovingly wrote back that one, we need to, we just need to clearly differentiate that this isn't a, a sweeping brush. Some people were born with really unfortunate medical situations, and and that is an issue and they need to be managed. We need to be mindful of that as a society. Simultaneously to that, we have an entire cohort of people, I'm going to say North America, that do choose to engage in mediocre, at best, dietary and lifestyle choices. We don't exercise and move the way that we should. We do outsource the management of our health to uh, pharmaceutical protection and management, we need to acknowledge that reality that when we say, I am healthy, we actually need to stop and go, wait a second, do I manage my symptoms effectively? And have I normalized my symptoms? Or am I sincerely Healthy. So this is just a call to action for everybody. And I have a question in here, Marie, which is this. I know a lot of my patients are like, I'm totally healthy. By the way, I get chronic cold sores and I can't get on top of that. Uh, can you help me manage that piece? So I guess I promised you there was a question here. Talk to us a little bit about latent viral infections. The I had mono when I was a teenager, but there's no way that that's related to anything going on in my health as an adult. I think this is this is a part of the puzzle and conversation and risk factor that people don't think about. <laughs> Sorry, that was a diatribe. Yeah, no, that's good. <laughs> but
0: but you're right. You know, so we we get inoculated with SARS-CoV-2. That alone can cause symptoms, but can it kick open the doors for a dormant virus that you might have had for years that's been hiding in a biofilm? Some of these dormant viruses can be Epstein-Barr virus, it can be parvovirus, HHV-6, cytomegalovirus, all of some of these childhood illnesses viruses that we that we may have been exposed to, And something you had in 1983 could come back to haunt you. So COVID really does cause such an immune dysregulation that it does kick open the doors for these latent viruses that could bring up symptoms that I haven't had in 20 years or my goodness, this seems so similar to how, in fact, that is a good point a lot of my patients go, God, I just feel like I have mono again. It feels like it reminds me of when I was so sick in high school. And that is an important piece of it that we always forget. And so we, you know, people go, well, I was really healthy, but I had all these viruses grow, you know, I had mono three times, or I had chronic yeast infections, or I used to get strep throat all the time. And so I'm wondering why I'm having this because I've had an, I, I treat a lot of PANDAS, pediatric, acute, neuropsychiatric disorders associated with strep. And so we see even adults starting to get these OCD, tick like behaviors, aggressive behaviors at the onset of that inoculation with COVID 19. That all is a playing piece as to, as to why people suffer more and others don't. And we really have to look at that entire realm of
1: symptoms in order to really help a patient get better. Let's talk a little bit about what you are talking about when you say supporting the body naturopathically uh, through a COVID infection. And before we open that box, I want to put this caveat in front of it so that we're really clear with everyone. What neither of us are suggesting is that you run out to your local uh, health food store and grab all of these items off the shelf and start to self-administer. So there is uh, there is an art and strategy to the application of some of these, well, all of these elements. I want everyone to have that. Context, And I would talk about philosophically with my patients, I would say, they'd be like, I'm on antibiotics. And, you know, so we don't have to worry about this. Uh, I want you to help me manage that. And, and I would often talk to them about this idea that, sure, antibiotics can just like, kill the infection, but it, it doesn't do anything to address the terrain in which that infection was allowed to uh, initiate itself, it also doesn't actually support the body. And so while it it kills off potentially that uh, acute illness, it does nothing to actually support our innate immune system's capacity to also have a role in the management of that piece. It's It's like full Titanic effect. If we build it and and we can outsource it and we can manage it ourselves, great. We have zero respect for the body's capacity uh, to inherently have a role in all of this. And so, I know what you're going to get into, Marie, which is, is really about acknowledging the body is incredibly complex and intelligent and capacitated to assist us in the management of these of these infections. So, when we're talking about, and you've mentioned this already, a lot of these long-haul patients actually didn't effectively manage the COVID when they, when they had it. What do you mean by that?
0: I mean that, like most patients, they were just told that there was nothing to do to help them and uh, that they should just go home and rest and they'll eventually get better. That has not been the case. In fact, 30% of patients who've gotten COVID end up getting long-haul COVID as well. So we really want to look at, you know, back in the 1800s, we had these two microbiologists, they were like arch rivals, right? Dr. Béchamp and Antoine Béchamp, and then there was Louis Pasteur. Louis said, the infection is the problem, it's the cause of illness. And Béchamp held his, you know, goat and said, no, it is the terrain, it's the environment that allows the infection to breed. In the end, I think they were both right. I mean, I'm not telling everybody out here to to go and get infected with COVID nineteen and that if you're healthy, you're gonna overcome it. Nobody wants to be sick. But the point is that if our environment is healthy, if we can boost that up with some of the principles that we'll talk about shortly, then we fare a chance to be able to overcome this quite quickly. So when we look at the naturopathic approach, in fact, Megan. You know, where we shine as naturopathic doctors is actually treating viruses. We go to our MD and we, they say, you know, oh, you're sick with a cold and flu, go home and sleep. There's, There's nothing, nothing we, we can do to, do to help you. You get flesh-eating disease. Thank goodness we have antibiotics, and we can go to the hospital, right? So please don't come to my office for flesh-eating disease, right? So you know, clearly, we really want to look at that piece, because this is where naturopathic doctors shine. So I urge, you know, this is a little push to my profession, but I really urge all of you to seek out naturopathic uh, doctor to help you if you are sick, because there is hope to get you better. If you're listening to this and you're suffering right now with long COVID, please reach out to a naturopathic doctor and in your community to really help you with this, because we use different approaches. So we are going to look at your diet and make sure that some of the foods you're eating are going to promote healthy immunity, that some of the foods that you're eating are actually going to be help kill the virus, that we have antiviral foods that we can actually be suggesting. We are going to look at your environment, making sure that you're not living in a moldy house, because I can tell you right now, living in a moldy house is never going to get you better, no matter what kind of illness or anything that you're suffering from. We are going to Look at the immune dysregulation, at your mitochondrial health. We're going to make sure that you don't have an overload of toxins, that your organ systems, your primary organs like your liver, kidney, and lymphatics are working very well. Because guess where COVID hangs out? In the lymph nodes. We are going to look at antivirals that we might be able to use. Herbal antivirals are just so effective and so good at treating COVID-19, long-haul COVID 19, long haul COVID. And we are going to look at other nutrients, micronutrients that we could use to help support that immune system. So we have a big toolbox and we love using it and it works really, really well. And there's hope for people to get better. That's the key, Megan. People don't have to suffer. I'm so um, tired of hearing in the news that, you know, oh, somebody's getting interviewed for long haul COVID, you know, good luck with that. Hope you survive, hope you get better one day and get back to your job and I just want to call out to, to to all of you right now suffering that there is hope
1: and we you can get better I totally appreciate that piece, and I think you and i have i mean I'm not in practice anymore, but we have both dealt with these these complex chronic uh illnesses you're you deal with this every single every single day. And nine times out of 10, these patients are coming through the door going, you are my last resort. I've seen every person on that traditional medical side and they have nothing to offer me. And to be really clear, this is not a us versus them conversation. It's a yes and conversation. Um, And if we had the opportunity to have more of these yes and conversations, people would have more tools and they would have more options available to them. Marie, I'm wondering if you've observed any shift in the long haul manifestation and risk as we've seen ongoing subvariants starting to emerge. Is the severity of long haul symptoms and debilitation different when we're looking at individuals who are dealing with it post Delta versus post Omicron versus some of the other new subvariants that are starting to rear their existence?
0: Yeah, um, it's a good question. I really have not seen a difference. I I would say the severity of symptoms can be equal in terms of the variant. But I think going back to our big case point here is that it goes back again to the health of the host. So the more deteriorated the terrain, the environment of that host, the more severe the symptoms of long-haul coma will prevail. So I had a young girl reach out about a month ago and a mom said, you know, we desperately need to come and see you. My daughter's so sick of a friend of a friend and said, you know, she's generally healthy. You know, is there any way we can squeeze in? And uh, thank goodness I squeezed her in at my end of day because she was not healthy, right? She had really at the age of 13 had already suffered, you know, many chronic illnesses, Uh, was wondering now why she was suffering with long haul COVID. And so, you know, they started to realize, wow, yeah, you know, that it's not normal to have yeast infections every month, it's not normal to have cold sores all the time. So we start to realize our definition of health is so different, the way we perceive it, or the way we look at things. And that's one of the things that's so great about being with a naturopathic doctor is they are going to help empower you, educate you, so that when things go awry, you have the tools yourself. And then if you need tweaking, then you can just pop in for a visit. But once you get that, you really have the empowerment to, to heal yourself and use food and use natural tools as your medicine to help you get better.
1: Yeah, it was so interesting. Uh, our family had COVID at the beginning of, of January. And the second that positive test emerged for my husband, he was the first one who tested positive. Like it was all hands on deck in our house. It was like rotating through our nebulized glutathione station and then our vitamin C and then our And what was really interesting for us is short of him being fatigued, None of us had symptoms. One didn't even test positive, which I found so fascinating. We kind of came through it and, and we're like, oh, well, that, that wasn't so bad. And because it is so natural to us that anytime any of us get sick, we do hook people up to the glutathione station and you are over here with your vitamin C and you are, it's so normal to us that I almost forgot this is not what all families do. And so we were almost surprised uh, when we would hear of other people who were like, oh man, that was like the worst thing I I ever had to, had to manage and, and deal with. And I just think it certainly that what my experience is, is not, um, we're not, we're not talking about a randomized control trial here, but what we are talking about are the things that we inherently take for granted when we have a, a different definition of, of health and prevention. And we are frankly used to stepping in and supporting our systems, on a moment's notice and so you know it, it's a it's a and reminder to everyone that these tools are available to you and this culture of i'm going to wait until i'm sick and it manifests and it explodes all over the place uh, before i step in and treat things i think that is contributing in a really significant way uh to what we are seeing with long-haul covid yeah absolutely well said well said So you mentioned at the very beginning, you said, isn't it interesting the way long haul COVID and COVID is sort of similar to Lyme disease. Um, what is Lyme disease and why is that? So
0: Lyme disease is a bacterial infection called Borrelia burgdorferi, and it's a spirochete infection that embeds in uh, many systemic organs and tissues and causes chronic symptoms such as chronic fatigue, joint pains, neck pains, brain fog, et cetera, et cetera. And so I guess the biggest, you know, look that we can have or the biggest question we may have is, you know, the similarities between the pathophysiology of COVID-19 and Lyme disease I'm not necessarily saying that in all cases, COVID 19 creates the symptoms of Lyme disease because the patient had Lyme in its dormant state. Now, that, that could be a possibility. COVID 19 can also cause independently its own acute symptoms, which resemble Lyme disease because of this same pathophysiology. So, when we look at, at Lyme disease, we can learn so much we doctors who treat the lessons we have for Lyme can really help us with COVID-19. So in an acute phase, Lyme disease needs to be aggressively treated and that will prevent a person from going into chronic Lyme disease. The IDSA, the Infectious Disease Society of America, states that Lyme disease doesn't really exist in its chronic state, that post-Lyme disease syndrome Um, is really a myriad of symptoms that have just gone on after uh, post the acute infection. And so when we look at that, we can actually use that same theory and put it onto COVID-19, meaning that could it be that SARS-CoV-2 actually gets untreated and then goes into a second phase of this long-haul COVID of this untreated virus, just like Lyme disease. And once we start to realize that and realize that this denial that this could still be an infection is what is keeping people sick. So if we address long haul by treating with antivirals, treating with nutrients, treating the dysfunctional host, the dysfunctional system, then we have far further reaching capabilities of being able to treat these patients and get them better so yeah there are similarities it's distressing to be honest because i am seeing patients being denied treatment being told that there's nothing wrong with them that if they could just get back to the gym and you know just push through it they'll eventually get better
1: just get back to the gym people at the end of the day do you fall lose weight go back to the gym we'll see you in six months you're just anxious.
0: You're just depressed. That's um, honestly for doctors treating this sort of in this realm of complex chronic illness, it's a little bit of PTSD for me too, right? It's like, oh my God, I, I am I back here? This is like back to where it was with Lyme and we're doing this with COVID now, this outright denial of treatment. And that, that is to me is, is, is a sad commentary on, where our medicine is is aiming towards, and I, you know, just want to cry out and say, there is hope. You can get better. You don't have to suffer. You don't. You likely still have a dormant underlying infection that is coming in and out of a biofilm. Let's talk about the biofilm just for a second. Let's do that. A biofilm. Is a Think about it as a cocoon, a mucilaginous cocoon filled with carbohydrates, fats, mucus, snot, heavy metals, and the infections create them. They're actually quite clever, and they create them and hoard each other in colonies within these biofilms, and they can hide in there for months and years and years and years, and Communicate through a language called quorum sensing through other biofilms and actually orchestrate a slew of inflammatory events all behind closed doors. And they prevent themselves from being killed by the immune system, they prevent themselves being killed by antibiotics, antivirals, etc. And so they can come out and play when the immune system's not working so well. When does the immune system not work so well? When we're not eating well, we're not sleeping well, when we are stressed, right? A big, big key right? A lot of COVID patients have said, oh, I was under a lot of stress, and then I got COVID. So that again, no surprise. But these biofilms can hoard these infections and keep us and, and, and make us sick. And that's why people never really recover. They keep relapsing with these COVID symptoms. That's because they need to address the biofilms. That's a bit more of a complicated treatment than a naturopathic doctor could be able to treat. So these are the, the pieces that I want people to know is that, you know, I did recover from long haul, but I keep having these relapses. That's likely because you have a biofilm that needs to be addressed and there's still hope and you can get better.
1: Yeah. And, and I hope one of the things that people are taking away from all of this is that uh, these are nuanced conversations. And so, you know, an overwhelming red flag to me throughout this entire process is in our attempt to simplify medicine and the complexity of the body. We have turned the pandemic into a black and white conversation. You are vaccinated or you are not vaccinated. The person was healthy or they were unhealthy. They got better or they didn't. The absolute honest 100% truth here is that none of this is black or white. We are like in a smattering of gray right now. And I I think that's really an, an important lens for everyone to have as they are listening to the news, as they are listening to us, as they're talking about the science says, we really, really always have to be asking the nuanced questions in in any given element of what we are, are talking about. You know, as you're talking about long haul here with Lyme and how everyone's always been with Lyme, it's not real and your symptoms, like if you can't manage your symptoms long term you know, you must be fragile. Like it, it really, like we're, we're, we sort of blame the victim on that chronic manifestation. And I'm guessing that the sheer numbers, because of just the infectious nature of COVID, the sheer number of people who are talking about long haul COVID is kind of forcing the medical community to kind of go, huh, maybe there, there are long, uh, long-term Manifestations of some of these viral infections. My hope is that we're going to start to switch this conversation and acknowledgement for patients. I am also mindful that part of that acknowledgement is going to be driven by well, if we all just get vaccinated, that will uh, support us. And I I want to talk about. I had a policy to never talk about vaccines, and like here we go again. I want to talk about the vaccine piece. And what we need to know. So there is a common narrative right now that if you are vaccinated, it will protect you against long-haul COVID. I, I'm not commenting on the, on the vaccine piece. I've, I've openly shared that I am vaccinated. With that said, have you found that vaccinated patients are protected against long-haul COVID?
0: No. Not at all, but not any worse than an unvaccinated patient. So my point is, it affects all of us. Uh, you know, it doesn't matter your, you know, at this point, your race, language, you know, uh, you know, it affects any one of us. So whether you're vaccinated or not vaccinated, we see these breakthrough, if you will, infections of SARS-CoV-2 in patients that that have been vaccinated and we see just as much long haul COVID and unvaccinated. So I think that um, it's, it's fairly equal out there and that moving forward, I'm not, I'm not convinced that the vaccine protects you. You know, we just don't have enough research.
1: Method. Okay. And again, all of this conversation is happening based on clinical on the ground experience, which is important because this is where things are happening really quickly. So again, I want to contextualize our conversation because I spoke to nuance that we we you know, we're speaking to Marie's experience having treated 800 long-haul COVID patients uh, and her observations and and her lens as a naturopathic doctor uh, through that uh, experience. I know that as I am walking the streets right now. I don't mean to do this, but I am just gonna be honest that I do. I'll walk past certain people and I'm like, oh gosh, please don't get COVID because you are in big trouble. Do you have profiles of patients that you're like, oh gosh, please don't get COVID because you are going to have long haul? What is this is like, I'm gonna use a totally unscientific term, like your spidey sense, like your like, you know, your clinical experience in encountering a patient where you're like, gosh, I'm like, I'm worried about this one. What are some of the factors where you are immediately like, I'm worried about these ones.
0: Yeah. So number one, any type of respiratory illness. So if the patient is already suffering from asthma, already has, um, you know, respiratory distress, emphysema, e- any type of, a, you know, they come in with a chronic cough and they, it's not certainly not COVID related. They've had it for a long time. Any sort of untreated patient, meaning that uh, a patient with mold illness that doesn't realize they have a mold illness that is untreated is more at risk. Certainly obesity plays a factor, any cardiovascular issues, any issues with hyperviscosity, you know, uh, hypocoagulative illnesses, which really can mean anybody, really anybody with uh, cardiovascular disease, etc., will cause this sort of sludgy blood thickening of the blood, which is more likely to cause more biofilms. Um, so yeah, there are sort of profiles of people. And it's really the people that also, you know, that are just aren't eating well, that aren't simply managing their stress very well. Those are the people that I do worry about that that could run into a big, big problem if they do get COVID. It really, again, has to do with what we're doing in our lifestyle. People who aren't sleeping very well. How many people do we know? How many patients do we see that just don't sleep? And how great do we feel after we've had a good night's sleep? So, you know, those are important factors that I look at. And those people, I automatically put on prevention in terms of this is what you're taking every day. Think of it. I tell them, I say, this is your multivitamin. Meanwhile, it's far farm of multivitamin. It's an antiviral, and and so on and so forth. But this is just instead of taking a multi, you should be taking this every day. It's not very much, but it really protects the immune system. So yeah, there's always prevention for those people.
1: And because I want to leave people in a state of of hope, I'm sitting here. I'm like, well, this was a happy episode. Um, I, you know, I, I I wanted to address it, and I wanted to have this conversation because. I do feel that the hopelessness of this is random, there's nothing you can do, like hope for the best advice, to me, that's dark and gloomy. And so having a, a reality-based conversation around what you're seeing in practice was my hope for what we were going to be able to achieve today. Taking that a step further, and we've, we've spoken to risk factors, what is it that, that we can do? I'm going to call us average everyday people who are like, I am exercising and I'm, I am eating well. Like Dr. Marie, like what other strategic things can I be mindful of, including in my life or for my kids' lives to help mitigate this risk even further? Some of the
0: things we've already sort of talked about, yes, eating right, managing stress, adding things to your um, smoothies is a really quick and easy way to do that. You know, adding vitamin C for the family, uh, vitamin D, Um, Quercetin is a great one. Zinc is also a fantastic one um, that prevents viral replication. Thinking about detoxing. So if our wastebasket is full and we have no way to get the garbage out and the toxicity out, Can you imagine what would happen if you got inoculated then by a virus? So making sure we're detoxing very well is important. And we can do that through sauna therapy. We can do foot baths. We can do herbal treatments for detoxification, supplement treatments, Um, a simple castor oil pack, which is an age-old naturopathic cure-all that I use still in my practice uh, and that I still personally do probably four times a week which is just applying some castor oil on your palm, rubbing it on your belly, uh, making sure you cover the liver, and then throwing a, a heat pack on and letting that castor oil as a rubifacient, which is increasing blood flow, um, really help to detox the digestion system, the liver, etc. So everything needing to do with detoxification will inevitably help empty out that garbage pail and unclog things so that if you do come across a virus, you're better. You're able. Your liver is able to break that down and detox it very, very quickly. And so it's this sort of, you know, garbage or sink approach where you have a drain and you have a faucet. And if you are overloading that sink with tons of stuff, garbage that you're taking in and out, breathing, exposed to in food, um, in the air, etc and your sink is clogged, the drain is clogged, you're going to have a hard time getting rid of these underlying infections. So detoxification is another piece that we really need to acknowledge and really need to to use with our patients to help. And you mentioned glutathione, but it's one of the key treatments for shortness of breath with long-haul COVID. It helps to detoxify, it helps the lungs, it helps on so many realms. And then also thinking about nasal lavages, or nasal um, sprays is what we use a lot in the clinic, because guess how you get COVID? You breathe it in. So it can lie dormant in these sinus and the sinus cavities and really make us sick.
1: Marie, I appreciate these pieces so much. And I feel like this is a perfect place to change the nature of the conversation um, and move you into a part of the interview. I call our impact ingredients. And I've been really working on making these questions, rapid fire questions and everyone who's been listening to them. uh, It's pretty obvious if you've been listening that the, the, my initial round of questions were not very rapid. They were like an interview in and of themselves. So I'm, I'm working through some new ones. So I'm going to, I have got some stuff to throw your way It is entirely unrelated to long-haul COVID. It's just fun stuff about life. You ready? If you were not a naturopathic doctor treating complex chronic illness, what is the alternative career you would be doing right now?
0: Oh my goodness. Jeez. that's a really tough one. Um, I just feel like, what do they say? 2% of people love what they do uh, and do it for a living. I, I feel so lucky that I'm part of that. I really can't imagine anything else. And I actually have asked myself that question. So what else would I would I like to do? I, I really don't know, Megan. I I really don't know because I'm just so happy. <laughs> I'm so You're happy. You're allowed to do
1: that. This is... Okay. This is an entrepreneurial podcast. There are no there are no rules. What is a weird skill or talent that you possess that people might not otherwise know about?
0: I uh, play guitar and I sing, and I was a busker um, all over the world. I used to bus yeah it. for eighteen months. I went traveling, and uh, so I, now and then I still pick up the guitar, but uh, very few times lately. It's been a little bit busy, but I it is my. Um, my escape and uh, form of creativity
1: that I, I do still love. I like that a lot. What is a non-negotiable for you in your life?
0: Uh, non-negotiable is uh, getting really good sleep. You know, my teenage kids know like, um, okay, quiet <laughs> music. Uh, I need my sleep. So um, that's what really makes me thrive. And I feel just right in the morning when I get up. So non-negotiable is sleep for sure.
1: As an entrepreneur, were you born with it? Or did you learn to become an entrepreneur? I think a bit of both. I think that,
0: yeah, it's within me. But uh, I I did pick up skills along the way of people like you and, um, uh, you know, uh, old bosses that I used to have. And I, you know, I've I've picked
1: it up. But I, I think it's a bit of both. And last question for you. What do you want your legacy of impact to be?
0: Well, I think my legacy of impact would be to be able to share my knowledge with other physicians, with other doctors, so that they can have more impact on more people. And I think that, um, I think one of the things I'm known for at conferences and um, uh, as a colleague is, is really being able to share my, my knowledge for Monday morning clinical pearls. Um, and I don't, I'm quite transparent about that. And uh, being able to share that knowledge, being able to then, you know, have an exit plan so that I can travel with my husband and my kids and, and do the fun things with my family. I think, you know, family life is so important to me. So my workspace allows me to be able to to have um, that person, that good life as a, on a personal level. So.
1: Dr. Marie Matheson, you are amazing. You're up to so many great stuff. I'm I'm like hedging whether I say this because I was like, oh, my gosh, we're going to just explode your practice, which is already exploding. Um, but where can we send people to learn more about the work that you are doing in the world um, and a little bit more about potentially long haul COVID?
0: They can head to my website, uh, BioHealOttawa.com, and right on the homepage, they can actually um, sign up for a free guide on the five mistakes that are increasing your risk of Lyme disease. And then um, also on that note, uh, we are launching a BioHeals 14-day science-based detox, and the code for that will be 50% off on the detox course, which is VIP50. Um, so all of our listeners are welcome to use that code and um, lots of stuff on our website. I'm actually going to be writing a, an article on um, everything we've sort of spoken to about today. So do uh, keep note of that. That will be up in the next couple of weeks as well. So lots of good stuff there.
1: You never cease to amaze me. You can grab all of this stuff. Everyone who's listening at meganwalker.com forward slash podcast. Dr. M- 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 blah, 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 blah. My teeth got caught on my tongue. Dr. Marie Matheson, thank you so much for joining me today. Thanks, Megan. Thanks, everyone. Impact is what lives on when we leave the room, tuck them in, or step off stage. It is less about what you do, more about how you make them feel and everything about how you choose to show up in the world. If you enjoyed this podcast, hit subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you are listening to this episode. I am your host, Megan Walker. Until next week, aim for impact.